Geek Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. A story originally published in 2000 that is unfortunately extremely relevant today. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Padula Neal. And this week we are looking at the autobiographical comic graphic novel, Persopolis, written and drawn by Marjan Satrapi, and it's the story of a young woman growing up in Iran during the uh, Islamic Revolution. And unfortunately, these days in the news, there's uh, once again similar problems in Iran that are affecting the young people of that country, and a book like Persopolis is once again extremely relevant and is telling a very similar story of what people are going through to this day now. Marjan Satrapi is out there right now doing a number of interviews talking about the situation. So we thought it would be a good time. Actually, it was Petula's idea to uh, look back on this story originally published in 2000 about her time in the 80s and 90s, growing up in Iran, leaving Iran, going back to Iran, and having to leave once again. Yeah, this story, when I first saw the film, because I saw the film before I read the comic. Yeah, the film came out in 2007. Yeah, I saw it at TIFF. It's probably one of my better TIFF years. I saw some real bangers that year. But this one I saw early in the festival and really stuck with me. And also when we were revisiting this to prepare, some of the sections where you have the younger protagonist asking family and friends and relatives about different things that happened to them, whether it was like when they escaped to Russia or when they were in jail, you know, you're getting a version of a story that an adult would tell a child. And so many people that I knew at the point in my life when I saw the film that were Iranian, or as one of my friends calls himself, West Asian, they would be not vague, but you realize now when you ask people certain things about like their family or like when they came to Canada or whatever, it's not just listener, no judgment, safe space. If you're the kind of person that asks somebody who has any kind of accent or skin color slightly different than you, where are you from? Pause. No, where are you really from? Realize sometimes they don't answer just because, you know, that's low key, a little bit offside, but also like you're surfacing trauma sometimes for people, yeah. depending on how old they were, when they left, what they remember, what relatives made it with them, what relatives didn't make it. Like that's not just like low key passive aggressive. Oh, I'm just curious about where they're from, but really it's a racist question. It's like you're asking somebody to like surface family trauma. Sometimes. Yeah, it's it's yeah, unfortunate it's like, that because yeah, North America you, has never yeah. experienced. Yeah, you know, like again, like the last time there well, was a war in North America. Well, the exception of 9/11, North America hasn't experienced a war in hundreds of years, you know, like again, when like, it's been a long time since then, whereas, you know, these other countries have dealt with major atrocities like this on a regular basis. And yeah, totally. It's like, they've come to this country to escape these things. They don't want it thrown back in their face. Yeah. Or if they do like, that should be their choice to bring it up. Exactly. Like yeah. some random probing because I want to like, I want to understand what you are so I can put you in whatever mental box I want to put you in. Exactly. So, yeah. All that to say, it definitely explained why many of the people from Iran that I worked with over the years were 
perhaps not as forthcoming with family history as other people. Yeah. Mm. Because, you know, you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The great thing about this book, though, is that it is a one person's experience. So we get the human elements and Marjane doesn't sugarcoat her own life whatsoever. She shows her thoughts and feelings of specifically of how she felt at those times in her ages. You know, she doesn't look back on certain thoughts she had or anything and immediately condemns them. Like some people do when they look at their life and they look back at their life. It's like, well, I was a fool then for thinking this. She presents it completely honest throughout this entire time. And so we get to see the character, of course, that we get to see Marjane grow and change and learn new things and see how the people around her affect her and see how she affects the people around her. And because of this, we have a very human, powerful protagonist that is someone who can bring about change. In a way, it's an unreliable narrator that I've never trusted more because yeah. it's as a child, she was a legit jerk sometimes. Oh, yeah. But she believed she was going to be a prophet. And so she would tell people you're wrong on this because the, we, we learned in school this, you know. Yeah. Or be jealous of schoolmates because they had a relative that was imprisoned yeah. or something else. The whole situation with her maid babysitter shows her empathy by helping her write letters because she's not fully literate. But then also kind of a, a weird lack of empathy for like what that must be like for someone to grow up in their home and be have this access and proximity to wealth but then not be that but feel so tortured by it they want to uh, pretend that they're mm -hmm. part of the family to people outside the home yeah. like it, so she was uh weirdly like kind of insightful and but had like i'm gonna say low empathy as a child especially for what other people were going through but it was almost like young her really saw the storytelling opportunities in all of the drama that was going around her and maybe that was the best way for a child to kind of absorb like living through a time period where you have these massive shifts going on mm -hmm. and I, I think now what i said so much at the beginning of kind of 2020 when you know first waves of lockdown and stuff was so, so still starting like this cohort of children depending on like what age they were they're gonna be weird like weird to us but like not weird to each other no. because they're gonna have this shared kind of global thing that they went through depending on what age they were at what time things happened or you know if you were just let's say whatever country you are legal to drink right at the time lockdown happened and bars started like all the stuff that like people get into whether they drink or not around those ages like they have this delayed time and then also more time for the brain to mature because a mm. lot of the shenanigans that happen when you first go away to school and you know have access to freedom and alcohol and substances at the same time like there's a group that kind of skipped that and even if they're doing it now they're doing it with just a little extra brain development because they're a little more cooked mm. and i just i wonder like I want to do studies on people. I don't want to listener. I'm not going to, you know, don't worry. I won't be locking anybody up to like do experiments on them or like, you know, find twins. One that lived in like, you know, New Zealand, somewhere that was open and somewhere that wasn't. I haven't thought about this at all. I'm not yeah, that weird. Yeah. I'm saying is it was great to have a narrator that you knew was sometimes BSing, but they're BSing because they as a child were taking in what they were told, but then creating a more interesting story. But then as they age, also their view of how the world was and how they viewed them and what was happening and what they did and didn't want to 
stay abreast of like as she got older she almost got less interested in knowing the day-to-day of what was going on with the conflict Mm. she would when she was you know in europe she'd turn off the news she'd turn away she didn't like stay up to date on whereas like when she was younger she was like almost obsessed with you know what are the details what are going on like okay we're getting the internal propaganda then we get access to like a satellite dish or bbc news and like comparing the stories with her friends so is that just like fatigue trauma fatigue or is it just, you know, the inherent self-absorbed nature of anyone in their mid to late teens and early 20s? It felt, especially this time going through it, it felt like I was reading somebody else's therapy journal. Mm. No, I can yeah. see that. I can see that definitely. Because like one spot that hit me was like later on in the book that was part of uh, the second chapter when she's waiting for Reza outside that mall and the, the what are they called? The something of the revolution. I can't remember. Yeah. The guardians or something. Guardians. Yes. The guardians of the revolution show up to do a raid on people that aren't following the rules. And she's there done up in makeup because Reza is saying that she always looks so plain and he doesn't like that. So she's done herself up with makeup and she's afraid that she's going to get taken in. So she sees a man, just an innocent man sitting there and tells the guardians that that man made a lewd comment to her so that they would not focus on the fact that she was wearing makeup. And so they ended up taking that man away. And when she told Reza that he laughed his ass off and thought it was hilarious. And it was immediately then that I went, I don't like Reza. I do not like Reza. And then later on, when she told the same story to her grandmother, her grandmother was very upset and was like, no, you can't, can't be selfish like that and everything like that. And that's when she, you know, realized the shame of what she did there. But the original reaction of why she did it was because she was afraid. And, you know, again, you do stupid things when you're afraid. But is it also that her and Reza were close in age and had both grown up in that strange time where it was just, oh, this group of people gets plucked off the street one day, this group of people gets plucked off the street the next day. Like they had this emotional callous. Yeah. But I feel like she didn't find it funny until Reza laughed. Yeah. And suddenly he's like, oh, this must be a funny situation. And then the more that we find out about Reza and everything, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to marry this guy either. This is, (laughs) he seemed like, he seemed like such a loser. But again, you know, It is, you know, when you meet people and you act a certain way and they act a certain way, you get together. In fact, she says it. She goes, when I was dating him, I said everything he wanted to hear. She liked, he liked girls this way. And I said, I was a girl like that. And then when we got married, well, I wasn't going to continue that facade. So they drifted apart very quickly. So when they decided to divorce, I was like, well, yeah, (laughs) like definitely. And the fact that her family was in support of that, I thought that was really good. It's interesting to see how progressive her family was in comparison to a lot of the people they lived around. Yeah. They were almost too educated. And that was like her family strength, but then also their challenge was their ability to except for the grandmother, really almost like emotionally detach and look at it. Like this is yet another historical thing happening, but it's happening in front of us and it's happening to us. and It's happening to our friends. So she would find comfort in like, you know, dialectical texts and it's just as a, child and but then i also think about young me when i first picked up that first page of the whole manifesto like workers of the world unite mm. from each according to the ability to each according to this and i was like this slaps like these, these are some <laughs> bars like this this makes sense yeah like young me when i first read that and i read that younger than i should have there's a bunch of books around my house because when my parents came from jamaica 
you know, typical immigrant thing. They had to do all their school again. So my dad, I think, finished his master's at UT, like in his 40s or whatever. So there were all these like books around the house, like school books mm-hmm. that I read when I was like way too young. That was like deep stuff, like yeah. books like Black Like Me and whatever. And like, this is heavy for a child to be reading. But I was like alone in the basement. You know, no internet. Yeah. Kids today are exposed to God knows what on the internet, but I was reading sociological texts. In how, the how old were you when you read Black Like Me? I'm going to say 11 ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that is kind of early. I, I, I read it when early. I was like 14, 15. So yeah. yeah. So 11 is, yeah, kind of young. And no one knew I was reading it. So that was the thing. Like, I sort of partway in the book, I'm like, oh, I can't ask anyone about this because I shouldn't be reading it. But I was like, I want to know what happens. Yeah. This is crazy. So anyway. Like reading that stuff when you're young and absorbing it and then being in a huge political situation, it's different from like her family. They were sort of, you know, related previously, kind of like pre-Shaw royalty. They had access, especially before the initial pre-revolution, uh, the, the Hobbit version of the revolution, if you will. Hmm. They had access to, you know, wealth, education, learning about other places. She was going to school, uh, French school within Iran. So maybe not the uber rich, but definitely more on the kind of intellectual elite. Yeah, 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 they, yeah exactly. They were, they were kind of upper middle class, at least in their education. Yeah. yeah. So I could imagine, you know, at different levels, if you're trying to explain to your child what's going on, If your child has downtime because of wealth, like your child doesn't have to, you know, help with family chores, doesn't have to do as much, maybe a child lower on the socioeconomic level or isn't as, you know, passively complicit as a child who may have been in one of the groups that was actively in power. You tell those children different stories where she was getting this kind of weird mix of truth, but then also like seeing her family actually go out and protest and also having, you know, friends of the family go missing, come back. You have to explain that it can't be like, oh, they've just gone on a trip all the time. And they, and when they try it again, when she's older, she's like, I know. Like, and eventually they tell, she's like, I know, obviously I know they're not on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I know nobody's just like getting out to Russia right now. I know they're probably in jail. Yeah. The big midpoint of the story is when the family decides, okay, we're going to send you to uh, to Austria and you're going to you're going to live there. And in the in the Austria story, I found that part just equally interesting because that's the portion of the story that kind of steps away from what's happening in in Iran because you know like as you as you mentioned, she stops following what's going on there, she kind of blocks it out, she doesn't talk to her family as much during that time. There's certain points where her family doesn't even know where she's living and things like that, but during those years, my God, like her life runs the gamut there from like almost complete poverty to living, a, you know, a pretty nice life with friends, family, experiencing all these different things, hanging out with different groups, hanging out with anarchists, hanging out with communists, hanging out with all these different types of people, all these different walks of life. She kind of becoming a full on wake and bake pothead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She kind of runs the gamut on like tasting all these different ideologies within the span of four years. It's also at the time in her age, you know, again, it's late teens into early 20s, which is when you are kind of figuring out your, for the first time, your first real personal ideology. And so she kind of does like the sample route and does it kind of the well-worn way, you know, because she actually does, she isn't just 
looking at people's ideologies, she's experiencing these different types of life. Yeah. And her desire to not always deal with what's going on at home, you could view it many ways. Is this just the normal kind of young teen, early 20 selfishness? Is it that you miss your family so much you don't know if you're ever going to get to see them or go back or if they're going to like survive that you just, I can't deal with this right now. It'd be too stressful to be on top of it all the time. Is it just a combination of everything of being in a society where you're constantly having to explain to strangers where you're from and if you tell them the truth, they don't believe you. If you lie, they find out. So you're in this weird kind of in-between place where there's very few people that you meet at at all that you could ever be truly honest with mm. and then there's just like the regular growing up stuff where you know her first real boyfriend ends up banging somebody else like it's yeah. just so relatable but it's also like good lord i couldn't i could never yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. you can everybody could probably relate to some part of what you went through but like having all of it happen at once yeah to one person it does seem it's like when she's younger and when she's sort of telling her enhanced versions of stories to the other kids at school and this bit happens a lot where somebody replies too much but like at that point her actual life is literally too much yeah 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 i, yeah. I think that was the austria part was probably where if anything the stark kind of simple approach to the art was the biggest relief because I don't think I'd want like a super detailed or like an Alex Ross photo reel or whatever <laughs> for that part. If anything, the fact that the art all the way through is just like a, a better, more studied version of like the way you first draw people, like when you're getting yeah. out of stick figures, it kind of helped make it less heavy that this is, yeah. it's really clean. And well, I've oh. always preferred autobio books to have this kind of simplistic style. Because, you know, again, there's a lot of, in, in indie comics and smaller press publishing, a lot of comic creators start with autobio stories because it's like write and draw what you know. And a lot of times they do go with the simplistic route because they want to get the book out and they want, you know, again, you get out there. They don't want to make it too complex for printing purposes and stuff like that. And very much like this is the same way. If you do go through and, and add in all that texture and detail it almost kind of takes away from the story because this is a person's real story. So the story is kind of doing the heavy lifting as opposed to the art. So the art is just supposed to be there to be like, here's a nice medium for you to take this story in. And I think it's great in this. Yeah, I don't need more. The The information I'm getting in the panels is heavy enough. And visually, even though the way people are represented is very simple, it is nice to have a consistent visual language throughout that's it's very easy to see her separate from her friends her family the people in the street that you know without having to see the text in a panel if they're having an interaction with somebody who's more on the like authoritarian or fundamentalist side uh the the whole section when she comes back and you see the series of apartment parties you get that they're doing something fun but also dangerous yeah that doesn't fit into the rest of the pages sort of before and after if it was any more detail in the art it would be exhausting it's so heavy it's so much but it's also it allows for there to be some of the lighter moments yeah no definitely and taking the enjoyment in the small victories like mom figuring out how to like sew the posters into dad's coat and yeah. him kind of <laughs> walking through 
the airport with like there's not a lot of movement or detail but you can tell like how uncomfortable he is oh yeah 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 definitely yeah yeah. because it looks like a just a big rectangle yeah yeah it's still got enough detail that they can get some of those visual jokes in the whole set of panels about like when she was going through puberty Woo, that was a real again one of the most relatable things where it literally feels like one eye is getting bigger at a time yeah 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 the first time i realized when i went to get fitted like i knew but it was like having a strange lady palm me and like tell me which boob was bigger than the other and it's like right yeah like i always felt slightly off <laughs> Yeah, this isn't in my head. I'm not crazy. Like, or getting really nice shoes for the first time and figuring out, okay, you have to buy for the bigger foot. Otherwise, the other foot's going to always be Blister City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're a kid, it doesn't matter because it's all like soft sneakers that you're practically wearing through. But the first time you're getting like a hard bottom shoe for an event. Yeah. And if you go small foot size, like. Yeah, you're going to be in a lot of pain all night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just stuff like that about being away from your family too while you're going through that so her not even getting until years later getting to understand i'm now bigger than my mother like when i left she hugged me and she was taller than me i come back and i'm like enfolding her in my arms but now i'm like the same size as my dad like this is where the height comes from it was uh, i've been to a lot of family events recently and it was weird i saw a part of the family i hadn't seen in years and it was like seeing oh like this side of the family is like really tall like my sister and like almost everyone has glasses like that's where the height that I don't have and the bad eyesight that I definitely do have, like that's where that comes from. But having not seen a lot of them in a group in years was like, oh, like this is where that came from. She left not just her family, but her whole entire country, her culture, her language, the food. She gets a little bit of it when her mom comes to visit, but like then getting like re-immersed in that when she goes back, it's got to be such a strange kind of feeling. But her whole life was huge shifts. Yeah. So the adaptability, again, not to sound like a scary scientist, but I would just love to study someone's brain (laughs) who grew up in a time like this versus somebody who grew up in like somewhere like where nothing changed at all and pretty much everything was stable and, you know, went to, you know, high school, met somebody there, married them, like stayed in this within the same like 50 kilometers. Like, how are their brains different? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the art is perfect. For this story and i'm so glad when they did the film adaptation that they kept that same style there's a slight variation in the film to give it of course to give the um the animation more movement but yeah pretty much staying pretty much true to the style and the look of the uh, the original books of course near the end of the story marjane has moments where she's finally kind of like showing that this is who i am this is what i've learned this is what i believe in and they're big moments in a person's life, but thankfully they're not big moments, like they're not grand spectacles. So it's like the two moments that I can see of where she's kind of fully showing that this is who I am and this is what I believe in are first when she goes in for the religious portion, the interview for school, for university. And she's open and honest about how, yeah, I don't know the words of the text because I don't speak Arabic. And I believe that, you know, God would still love us regardless if we followed this. And of course, because she was true to her convictions, she wasn't a liar. The person that was interviewing her passed her into university saying, yeah, no, well, she's not a liar like anybody else. She told me what she truly believed and that's her belief system. And then the moment at the big lecture hall in university when all the the boys and girls are there 
and the head of the the university is giving the big speech about how women should be wearing their veils more properly and they shouldn't be wearing loose trousers because they are women and all this sort of like and she kind of stands up and just matter of factly says it's like how is this really going to make a difference and kind of like within that moment of course it is a big rebellious moment within that context of their society but she is just going out there and, and naming plain facts and she's kind of just stating what needs to be said yeah and and when she flips it she's like so if my hair is so distracting that it needs to be covered why do the men not have to cover their hair so that they don't inflame us yeah and why do the why yeah. do all the men why do they all get to wear different styles and everything like that yet we yeah. have to conform to this one style and yeah no it is a great moment and it's kind of that moment right there when that kind of like a young person standing up for what they believe in and talking about the double standard in that situation that is very relevant to a lot of the things that are happening right now in Iran because the young people are the people that the most want this to go away. Yeah. And also, it helps get her grandmother back on side after she yeah. <laughs> unintentionally. We, we never find out what happens to that man. Praise to that man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. I hope. He yeah. We'll, we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. And we'll never know if she actually did that or if it was like something somebody else did. I didn't right, yes, go back and listen to a lot of interviews. Because that's not the thing. Yeah, Marjane has said in interviews, especially when the movie came out, that it is not a documentary. It is not direct everything that happens. And the way she put it, she goes, she goes, if I have a panel with a dog there, I'm not drawing the dog exactly as the dog looked and doing everything that the dog did. So there are some things that are going to be for story purposes, enhanced or not focused on as much. So you're right. So that that moment might not have been exactly as it is, and it might not have happened exactly to her. But yeah, it's in there. And it is one of the moments where you're like, oh, you yeah. know, but again, yeah, when she stands have, up in yeah. the class and her grandmother hears about it, her grandma's like, okay, good. You're not dead inside. Like you get like what's happening here is like not cool. Yeah. And she and does it in her grandmother way cool. of showing yeah. that we're cool because I bought you this. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. say, hey, I'm really happy that you see things now, but I'm going to buy you this so you know that we're cool. Yeah. 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 It's Here's the thing, listener. Dude, we're not saying, like, read this and you'll understand what's going on now. I will say, literally, the second page is a protest of people protesting for either the veil or freedom. Uh, it gives you a sort of weirdly skewed rich child's view of what's gone on there in the last... 50-ish years, but it's one person's point of view based on their background. But ultimately, what it does show is how quickly things can change when anyone gets too much power yeah. quickly that has a very specific point of view and then how that change can affect, but also not affect people depending on where they are, what they choose to do. Like there's many moments when you see somebody says, well, you know, we just stayed out of direct conflict because we kept a low profile. Yeah. So it's like every day people make choices. Are you going to just protect yourself, your job, your livelihood, your family? Are you going to go out and protest? Are you going to go out and record things? Uh, her father at the beginning of the book, taking a lot of pictures, you know, again, very relevant to now, like people recording things on phones. And then, you know, sometimes there's huge ramifications of that. It's not, it, I won't even say it's pressing. It's just, it's a snapshot of the world through a time frame in a place in the world where there are huge political shifts and her even moving to Austria, but then talking about sort of the neo-fascist rise there and how 
she was so used to operating under threat that when there was a, a resurgence and sort of like a youth skinhead movement, she was just like, I knew, like, I could feel their energy mm. and I just knew how to avoid them. And I didn't even notice that there were more and more of them around. Yeah. At the time I lived there. Like, you just learn to operate under threat of surprise violence. Yeah. And that is something that is not great. And we all have to, for ourselves, decide what you want to do, what you're comfortable with doing, but you don't always have a choice based on what you are on how much success you'll have with wanting to stay out of conflict. Yeah. You're more obviously the thing that people don't like or are going to go after. You have a different experience. So it's great at sort of demonstrating that, but you definitely aren't beat over the head with it. It's literally just a young person telling the story the way they remember it. So it, it's not explicit, but it's very obvious. Like this may not be exactly true. Yeah. It's yeah. also like, I know I wasn't told the truth. She says that many times. Hmm. Like I'm reporting what I was told, but I understand now in retrospect, what they told me wasn't true. And again, because of that, we do get a very human portrayal, a very human and authentic portrayal from the eyes of one person. Yeah. It's equal and, parts uplifting and depressing. Like, for yeah, oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Cause, and also, Marjane does an amazing job of putting in levity at the right times. And so, you know, she's a skilled storyteller, a skilled cartoonist in that respect. And uh, yeah, definitely, I think people should check it out. All right, well, we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Patula, tell the good folks where they can find you. At Inatif.com, on Twitter, at Obesakadawit, O-B-E-S-A. C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. And, of course, you can find everything I do over at geekhardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekhard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. But, of course, the easiest way you can find the latest episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, so that way you never miss an episode. And after you've done that, go and tell your friends and family of various different ideologies and thoughts. You should listen to Back Issue Bloodbath because we talk about a lot of different things, but they all come back to comics. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Patula Neal. Have yourself a good...